Good morning, church. Good morning, I hope, and I pray that you enjoy that worship set this morning. And I certainly hope and pray you appreciate Pastor Roy's words. Um, it was certainly an encouragement to me. Uh, it's so good to see you this morning. I can see you by faith. And it's so good to be in the house of the Lord once again today. Uh, is there anything better than this? Is there anything better than for God's people to come together uh, just like this? Um, it, it's a... It's a good time, it's a good opportunity, it's a glorious opportunity, and, and certainly we all know why we gather like this, right? It's not about the church, it's about our lives together. It's about the commonality that we all share. We are believers, we are children of God, and God has mandated that as His children we get together just like this. Amen, somebody. So this is a wonderful time of fellowship, and I'm just going to get right into it for the sake of time. Um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Amos, that one book that eludes us when we look for it, uh, because it's one of the minor prophets that, you know, that section of the Bible that we don't like to visit. Well, Amos chapter 8, um, and this morning the title that I have for you is A Famine for the Word. That's right, A Famine for the Word. And if you know anything about famines, it's, it's not a good time. It's not a good season. There's nothing good, nothing good um, happens when there is a famine in the land. There's no food. There's a scarcity of, uh, of, of resources. Um, and lots of people die when, when there's a famine in the land. I think the people in Africa know a lot about famines. <coughs> and so the... Today the idea is just to, to talk about that because in this one particular text that we're going to be reading from this morning, um, that's exactly what happened, but not the kind of famine that you may be thinking about right now. As I alluded to a few moments ago, it's not that type of famine. They had possessions, they had food, they had all those things. It was a unique type of famine, and I want us to consider that today. And the reason why I want to do so is because I believe... The Lord would have me, would have us, make an extreme uh, emphasis on the importance of the Word of God. Amen, somebody. I just, I, just, I just think the Word of God is so important. And as children of God, it's important that we revisit that topic, this theme, as often as we possibly can. Because there's actually nothing more important than the Word of God in our lives today. Especially considering this pandemic that we find ourselves in right now. It is so easy, I don't know about you, but it is so easy to be swept away by the voices, if you will, in society today. Heed this and to heed that and, sort of, and to sort of lose our biblically based sensitivities. I don't know about you, but... I've, I've talked to a lot of people quite recently. I like to spend time on the phone. I know some of you are probably thinking, well, why hasn't he, why hasn't he called me? Right? But listen, I, I, I wish I could get to everybody. There's just certain people God has put in my heart and certain people that we need to look in on uh, on a regular basis. <clears throat> and anyway, the point is that I've talked to lots of people, whether uh, it's people who are a part of our fellowship or those who are not a part of our fellowship, maybe family members back east. And it's so easy during this time to lose our biblically-based 
sensitivities and to begin to develop sensitivities relative to the, the standard of this world or the things that are happening in this world. But as God's children, we need to stand up and we need to make sure that we are sensitive to what thus saith the Lord. And in this particular text today, we are going to discover that God takes our fellowship with Him extremely seriously. And listen, I know that some of you agree would agree with this particular statement about myself personally, uh, meaning you would agree as it relates to you. Uh, there's nothing I cherish more in this life than my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing, absolutely nothing. There, there are a lot of things in my life that are valued. A lot. Uh, my marriage, my home, my children, etc., etc., etc. But nothing comes close to the value that I have placed in my relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everything else pales in comparison. So, Amos chapter 8, I hope that you are there. Let me just set the, set the, uh, <clears throat> set the tone here. Um, about 750 BC, an obscure farmer and shepherd by the name of Amos was called by God to be a prophet. And God asked him to deliver a special type of word to his people. As was the case on a regular basis with them, and it also applies to us today in this society uh, as well, but as as, as often as it was the case with them back then, they found themselves being rebellious and not necessarily heeding the voice of God in their lives. And God put a word on the lips of the prophet Amos and he wanted him to deliver it to the people. And it concerned a judgment that was going to come upon them as a nation. You would think... They would have taken heed to the voice of the prophet. They would have taken heed to the voice of God. But they did not. Sadly, they didn't. And they did not repent. And as a result, the Assyrian army invaded the nation. And they were taken away captive. So let's look at this as we, as we discuss this topic of a famine for the word of God. Uh, I want to read the entire chapter, okay? It's only 14 verses. And it reads as follows. <clears throat> this is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. A basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. This is the NIV, by the way. I answered, then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple would turn to wailing. Many, many Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself, the pride of Jacob, quote, I will never forget anything if they have done. Will not the land tremble for this and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile 
It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth with broad daylight. In broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make the time, I will make that time like mourning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. I gotta pause here for a moment because it's, uh, it just makes me a bit emotional when I read those particular verses there. There is no famine like a famine for the Word of God. None whatsoever. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from the east, searching for the Word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young women and strong young men will faint because of thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria who say, as surely as your God lives then, or as surely as the God of Beersheba lives, they will fall never to rise again. Let's pray, church. Go before the Lord with me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this particular setting, for this particular moment, while we are in your presence. Father, we thank you so much for this particular passage. And we thank you so much in advance for the things that you're going to share with us from this particular text. We pray, Lord God, that you give us the wisdom that we need to hear you loudly and clearly concerning this particular topic. Famine for the Word of God. As it relates with us in this particular society today, so many years removed from the days of Amos. There's some differences and there's some similarities. Father, we pray that you may help us to dialogue or to discuss these points, these differences, to contrast and compare for the sake of discovering, Lord God, what it is you will have us understand once again from this particular text and how we should apply it to our lives today. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We depend upon it. We wait to hear from you. We pray that you may move upon our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you may make us sensitive to your voice and your voice alone. We love you and we thank you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. So once again, the purpose of this particular lesson today is, is to stress the importance of the Word of God. And my hope is that by the end of this particular message, I would, I would have created, or rather, correction, the Lord would have successfully created a revolution in your heart and mind for the truth of the Word of God. As I stated once before, we're going through difficult times today. And the reality is, when you read the Word of God, uh, eschatology passages like Matthew 24 and some, some of the first chapters of the book of Revelation, you will discover that it's not going to get any better. better. It, there may be a respite, a break, if you will, but ultimately, it's going to get worse. And we need to be vanguards 
for the Word of God, especially considering um, the children that we that we are have been entrusted with. We got to make sure that our children are sensitive to the Word of God. So let let's consider this. <clears throat> when when and, and by the way, wasn't that that situation that that we read about in in this eighth chapter of the book of Amos? Wasn't it extreme? You talk about a dire situation there. Yeah, um, and, and then the, in verses 14, or 13 and 14, the end result of their particular rebellion. I think it was a bad situation. Their rebellion resulted in the worst kind of famine. And yet when we realize it, whether, we, whether you and I realize it or not, today we are experiencing the same thing. And, and I know I stated while I was praying, I stated there are some, there are some differences, right? But there are also some similarities. And, and at the end of the day, with, with, as it relates to rebellion, the result will always be the same. So as we get into this, let's contrast and let, let, let's point out some of the, the contrasts, some of the differences, and some of the similarities. The question for you then is, as we move along, how is our present day famine different from that of Amos' day? Well, we know that it was different in the sense that it wasn't that it wasn't sent, or rather, that our famine today was not sent by God, uh, as it was in the days of Amos. Because of the rebellion, God sent in a famine for the word of God. It exists on the world stage today, but not in that same sense. God has not imposed this particular famine upon us. At least. As it relates to the title of this message, a famine for the word of God. Now on the contrary, you're going to find out as we go through this particular lesson today, that the famine that we are experiencing today is self-imposed. That's right. It is self-imposed. And this is what I mean by that. Never before in the history of humanity have we had access to God and his word. Especially in this country in which you and I live in. Uh, we have a freedom to congregate in, maybe not so much right now, right? But, but we can freely worship the Lord God in the context of society today here, this Western culture. And we have access to the Bible, to the Word of God. There are nations in this world who do not have access to Bibles like you and I do today. So these are, these are the differences, right? We have access to the Word of God. They did not and yet, in spite of the fact that we have the Bible in so many different versions, in spite of the fact that we have so many churches, and that we have access to God, there's a famine in the land nonetheless. Because we know more about God today in this generation than all preceding generations combined. Yet, the reality is this generation, the one you and I represent, is farther from God than all pre preceding generations combined. And I think that is a severe indictment from the Lord upon us today. Now I want you to consider this. It, it may be... I'm not sure. I'm going to let you be the judge of it. But when we consider the Bible... I, I should ask you this. Then. I should ask you this. Let me, let me back up a little bit. How many of you keep up... Uh, uh, a diary today. Well, how many of you have ever kept a diary? 
Well, I don't know about you, but I got four composition books filled every day of the year, filled with, with entries, you know, personal, personal thoughts. Uh, it's just my way of staying rooted and grounded in the things that matter. It's like a, an evaluation, something that I do at the end of the day, something that I used to, to be honest, used to do at the end of my day. Well, in that sense, did you know this is a little humorous, but the Bible, that's right, the Bible keeps a diary as well. And I want you to listen to this. Dear diary, January, a busy time for me today, or this month. Most of the family decided to, to read me through this year. They kept me busy for two weeks, but they have put me down and I have been ignored since then. February. My owner used me, my owner used me for a few minutes last week. He had an argument and was checking certain references. March. Grandpa visited us today. He kept me on his lap for an hour reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13. April. I had a busy day. My owner was appointed a leader of something and he used me. I go to church for the first time this day, to, uh, for the first time this year, Resurrection Sunday. May, I have a few grass stains on my pages, has some spring flowers pressed in me. June, I look like a scrapbook. They have suffered, they have stuffed me full of clippings. One of the girls got married. July, they put me in a suitcase today. I guess we're off on a vacation. I wish I could stay at home, as I would have to stay in this thing for a month. August, still in the suitcase. September, back home again, and in my old place. I have a lot of company. Two true stories and four funny books are on top of me. I wish I could be read as much as they are. October, they used me a little today. One of them is right now I'm all shined up and in the center of the table, I think the preacher is coming. November, back in my old, my old place. And December, to close out the year, they are getting ready for Christmas. I'll be covered under wrappings of paper and packages. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Makes you wonder, and, and again, as I'm saving moments before I started reading that, we're talking about a famine, a famine for the Word of God. A famine that, for the most part, is self-imposed because we have access to the Word of God today, today more than ever before, and yet we are not taking full advantage of the Word of God. Why do you suppose this present-day famine for the Word of God exists? Why do you suppose that is? When we have so much access to God and His Word, I think this particular chapter of the book of Amos explain some of this for you and I. Let's consider some of the similarities from this particular passage. Uh, and there are three things that I want to share with you from this particular passage. I'm probably going to go through them really quickly. But I want to make the point nonetheless. Number one is material luxury or as we like to say in this day and age, materialism. It existed, it was prevalent in the land. They had goods and services. They had possessions and they abused them in so many ways. We're going to get into that in a few moments. Number two, moral corruption. 
this particular in that in this particular season in Amos, the Israelites were extremely corrupt, extremely morally corrupt, and we're going to discover some of those things as we read uh, other passages in this particular book. And then number three, religious corruption, religious corruption, and I submit to you that three things have always been consistent throughout all the annals of time. From the very beginning, the, the Israelites in this particular time, they weren't the only ones guilty of this. Um, generations before them, generations after them. Your generation and mine are also equally guilty of these three things. And that's why it's, a, it's so important that we discuss them. As, as we unfold, as we get into this message, you will see that we have to be on the lookout for these things. Because they will serve, they will always serve to draw us away from the things of God, from the things that pertain to God, and we will lose, at the end of the day, our biblically based sensitivities. So, as it relates to the first point, material luxury, I want you to go with me to Amos chapter 6, and I want you to read some verses with me. And be patient, because we're going to make this a Bible study, right? I know that from time to time we expect to go through sermons online like this relatively quickly. Uh, but I think it's important that we do the Word of God and that we listen to what God has to say. Amos chapter 6. And I want to read, starting with verse number 1. It says, Woe to those who are at ease in the And those who are on the mountain of Samaria. The notable men of the first of the nations. The notable men of the first of the nations. To whom the house of Israel comes. Pass over to Kalneh and see. And from there go to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? Oh, you okay, the day of disaster. O oh, you who put far away the day of disaster and bring near the seat of violence. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the heart and like David invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine and bowls and load themselves with the oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they shall now, therefore they shall now be the first of those who go into exile, and the reverie of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. The Lord God has sworn by himself, declares the Lord, that God of hosts, I abhor the pride of Jacob. And hate his strongholds. And I would deliver up the city and all that is in it. What an amazing indictment from the Lord upon his people. Materialism. Beds of ivory. Expensive oils. They ate the best of the lambs. And so on and so forth. You heard it right there in that particular text. And one of the things that, 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 that interests me a lot from that particular passage is that they were ignoring the future judgment. God had already declared 
prophet Amos that judgment was coming as a result of their rebellion. But according to this particular passage, they put it off. They weren't thinking about that judgment. They were thinking in the here and now. And they were enjoying their materialism, their material luxuries. And as a result, judgment came on the land. It is extremely, extremely interesting to make this, to, to, to point this out and to highlight it because it, it exists in our lives as well. We, we, we know all too often, I'm not going to draw this out, but as we think about it, we know what the Bible has to say um, to us about our pursuit for materialism, our pursuit for wealth, for example, and what it does to us. When we pursue wealth, all too often people end up falling by the wayside. And I think the New Testament says this a lot, how people in the, in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. And, and one of the reasons for this is because our pursuit for wealth. And on the flip side, if it's not our pursuit for wealth, is the enjoyment or our dependence upon the possessions that you and I have in our lives today. It, no matter what case it is, these things will always deter us from the things that pertain to God. These things will always draw us away from the things that are more important in life. And the reason why I'm making this point, or rather the reason why I believe the Lord is making this point today, is because times are difficult. And more than ever before, we need to be sensitive to the Word of God so that we can perpetuate the truth of the Word of God, not just for our personal selves, but for our children as well. How often do we take the time out to read the Word of God ourselves? Or how difficult are we during this time, this season, with materialism? Um, let me move on. I want to read, I want you to go with me to um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, because I want you to read something with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because we're going to discover that years before, God had already warned His people about materialism. Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 14 and then verse 17. Deuteronomy 8 verse 11 through 14 and then verse 17. It says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. They have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Look at verse 17. It says, Before, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have got me this wealth. I think that's an extreme passage. But it's applicable to you and I as it was to them back then so long ago. It's, a, it's applicable because the Word of God doesn't change. And yes, there was a legal system they were adhering to. But the essence of the principle applies to you and I today as well. We are children of the Most High, Most High God. And our Christianity is determined by what we know to be true 
from the Word of God and not by the things that we are capable of accumulating for ourselves. And so I think the point is clear. Let me move on. Look, look with me to Luke chapter 8, verse 14. I want you to see this because Jesus takes on this particular topic as well. Luke 8, verse 14. He says, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Of course, Jesus Christ was talking about the Word of God. He was talking about our faith, the development of our faith, and the difficulties of development, especially as it relates to this particular topic, materialism. As we strive for these things in life, or as we live to enjoy the things that we currently possess, these things will always, always affect us negatively as it relates to our faith. Second point that I want to make here this morning is moral, moral corruption. Moral corruption. I want you to turn with me to Amos chapter 2, and I want you to see this with me. Amos chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And it reads, Thus saith the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous, wow, because they sell the righteous for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. A man and his father go in to the same girl or the same woman so that my holy name is profaned. Wow, you're talking about moral corruption? They were selling people for silver and for gold, for sandals. Someone, someone needed a sandal, a pair of sandals. They picked out a righteous person from the land and they sold them. Or a poor person from the land and they sold them just so that they can have the things they needed. You talk about moral corruption? I think that's extreme. And yet, can anyone deny that immorality is having an effect on the church today as well? Listen. I know that it goes without saying that you and I have all, we have all seen some crazy things happen in, in, in our churches nowadays or in society nowadays. Yet, and yet the reality is that the worst things that are existing in our midst today are the things that go unseen. Consider for a moment how the church has been replacing, and by the way I should preface this uh, by saying that this is not an indictment on the church. This is just simply a proclamation of truth from the Word of God as I understand it today. Because as children, we need, as children of God, we need, to, we need to always make an emphasis on the truth of the Word of God. Not just to live it, but to proclaim it and to guard it with all of our hearts. And let me read this statement to you again. Consider for a moment how the church has been replacing the biblical standard with the standards of this ungodly 
world. And I know that sounds harsh, and I know it sounds like an indictment. It's not intended to sound like that. I don't want to come across in that way. I just want to tell the truth because it applies. You know as well as I do that it applies and that it is a reality. When we mingle anything with the Word of God, when we violate the Word of God in any way it will always cause us to lose our Christian sensitivities. I think as children of God, especially as leaders in the church, we need to make sure that we are vanguards for the Word of God, that we are standing in the gap, that we are making sure that we not only believe it, or, or rather read it and believe it, but surrender our lives fully to it, especially in the presence of this, this, this world that seems to be creeping into the church. It's happening. It's happening. It, it may sound strange to hear this across a platform like this, but you and I both know that it is true. And the only point there is that we need to be careful with these things. Number three, the third point is religious corruption. Religious corruption. And I want you to turn to Amos chapter 8 because I want you to see this. The people of Israel, we're going to learn from this one particular passage, they, they couldn't wait for the religious days to be over so they could go about business as usual. Amos chapter 8, and I want to read to you verses 4 and 5. He says, Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over? When will the new moon be over? That we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great, and deal deceitfully with balances. Did you hear that? I think it's worth going over these passages when we're done here today. What religious corruption! The text clearly says that they could not wait for the holidays to be over. Think about that in, in, as it relates to you and I today. Can you imagine what it would be like for God's people today to, to make a declaration like that? I can't wait for, for, this, for, for Easter to be over and done with. I can't wait for Christmas to be over and done with. Or, better yet, I can't wait for this service to be over. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait until Rick shuts his mouth so that I can go about go about my day today. Because that's exactly how it relates. And yet it's happening. It happened then. And if we were honest enough, we know we would admit that it happens in, in our culture today. And I just wish it wasn't true about our generation today. And yet sadly, we have to admit that it is. And that's exactly why we wrestle with so many, so many sensitivities, sensitivities that are not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. That's what, it's exactly why we wrestle with certain things today. We wrestle with making the necessary separation between the culture of this world from the, the biblical narrative or the culture that the Bible would have us adhere to and surrender our lives to. I think, I think it's fair to say. And I hate it. Uh, many view progressivism in the church as a positive thing. Uh, I get it. it. It's sort of, it's okay for the gospel to evolve. I, I, I don't 
personally agree with that. Not, not one bit. Progressivism in the church is a crime. And it's not right. It is okay for you and I to amend, if you will, the constitution of our church. And quite frankly, our constitution needs to be amended. It is okay for you and I to amend, for this country to amend the United States Constitution. I, 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 would, I would concede that certain elements of the Constitution need to be amended, right? But it is not okay for us to look to the Word of God and try to amend it in any way, shape, or form. The, God, the Bible's Constitution has to be respected and it has to be honored at all times. It doesn't change. It remains constant and it remains absolute all the time. Now let's, let's, let's move along and let's consider. I want you to go to Amos chapter 8 and I, I want you to consider the consequences. They made a mistake in three particular areas and we've talked about this already. right? Materialism or material luxury, the moral corruption and the religious corruption of the day. And we also talked about how it applies, how it relates to our context here today as well. But let's look at what their consequences were and perhaps try to make a little application with, with society today. Amos chapter 8, look with me to verses 13 and 14. Last two verses in the chapter. It says, In that day the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint for thirst, those who swell, swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, as, sure, as, as surely as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Besheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. It says young people. It's a reference to young people fainting from thirst and others falling and not rising again. I think that's extraordinary because I think it's a perfect description of society today. If we were to evaluate or however we were to go about doing it, I don't know about you, but I got a lot of friends who are no longer in the church, who used to be in the church for a long time. I think it's safe to say that there are tens of millions of people in this Western culture alone who used to be a part of a church at some time in their life, probably grew up in church. Probably you were part of a, a consistent part of a, of a youth group or a Sunday school before that. I think it's safe to say uh, today. And yet for whatever reason, people are falling away from the faith. They're moving away from the church. Now, here's something um, that, that's worth knowing. Um, and this is not just unique to Grace Norwalk. This is something that's a reality in all churches. When we consider the youth of our day, we consider our church. Perhaps once upon a time this church was thriving in that particular area. And there are people, there are some who are made, um, in my view, it's a misconception. Um, in my view, it's not true. When we think in terms of why young people are not in the church anymore, uh, we sort of like to think some people, ignorantly, I might add, like to think that young people are no longer in the church today because we're not giving them something that's relevant to them. Because the church is not relevant to them anymore. We, we, haven't, we haven't created a welcoming space for them. I don't think that's true. 
I think some of it may apply, but I don't think that's entirely true. I think this particular, what, what, what we just finished discovering here in this text, I think it applies. I think young people are not necessarily looking to God, are not necessarily depending on, on God, not necessarily pursuing the face of God as they should. Because it doesn't matter what the context is, doesn't matter what church it is, whether it's Baptist, Pentecostal, or whatever, or Grace Brethren Church. I think if a young person wants to serve the Lord, they will remain in the church. And listen, I'm sorry to have to say it that way, but it, it, it's, it's the truth. I think at some point we need to be willing to say the truth. I'd like to create a welcoming space for young people in this church. It'd be nice. We can spend the money and, 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 and do whatever it is that's necessary to welcome our young people. But at the end of the day, young people need to be willing to serve the Lord. So there's a lack of spiritual food even in the church. Or rather, they, they, that's what applied then. It was a lack of spiritual food because God withheld his word from them. But today that's not the case. We have the Bible. We have the word of God. We're just simply not choosing to look to the Lord. And as a result, it has become so easy to be overcome by temptation. It's become so easy for us to be overcome by the, by the common trials of life. Things that we, you and I as believers should be easily able to overcome. We're becoming victims to the simplest of things because we are not as sensitive to the Word of God as we should be. So the question now is, how do we overcome? And I'm almost done. How do we overcome? Easy. The way men and women of God have always overcome in situations like this. Number one, faith in God. It's that simple. Faith in God. This is about an active relationship with the Lord. I like John 1.12 here. Because... Um, the Apostle John was talking. Uh, he was talking about the light. He was talking about Jesus. He was talking about Messiah, that who is to come. He came unto his own, but his own received them not. And yet in verse 12, he says, To as many as received them, to as many as who have received him and his word, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. So if you and I just point, so made a conscientious decision to accept Jesus in our lives and to live for Him. The idea is that we need to press in and press through regardless of the circumstances because when we do, God will always, always open up an opportunity for you and I to escape the difficult circumstances of our lives. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Put it down, put it down on your notes. 1 Corinthians 10.13, there, there is no temptation except what is common to man. But God will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you and I may be able to bear it. As we, as we remain focused or committed or devoted to our God. Remember this, this point is faith in God. As we, as we nurture our faith to make sure that it, is, that it remains active, God will always Defense. God will always grant us an opportunity to escape the difficult circumstances that arise in our lives. And number two, and lastly, fear of God. This is how we overcome fear of God. And this point, it's a reference. Uh, it, it, it refers to 
sort of removing ourselves from the motivations of evil. Uh, reference, let me see, let me give you a verse. Proverbs 16, 6. I want you to, I want to read that. I want to read that, Proverbs 16, 6. And again, this point has to do with a reverence that motivates us to turn from evil. Proverbs 16, 6 reads, By steadfast love and faithfulness, by steadfast love, I can barely see it even with my glasses, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Now let's think about how, what we talked about, um, the children of Israel during the days of Amos. God expected them to turn away from evil. He would not have withheld his word from their lives. All they had to do is just simply turn away from evil by fearing him, by reverencing him. That applies to you and I today as well. Times are so difficult. The season is, there's so much liberalism in the world today. So much compromise in the world today. So many voices bombarding our minds that would always, at the end of the day, would lead us away from the truth of Scripture, from the truth of the Word of God. And so this word, though confusing as it may be, or as incoherent as it may be coming across from me, I know I'm not the best at it, right? But I think the point is clear. You and I as children of God need to make sure that we stay close to God, respect the Word of God, honor the Word of God so that we can remain faithful to God. I want you to see something else. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. And I'm going to close with this passage. Deuteronomy 17 and I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. It says, And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for him in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes in doing them and doing them. Let me see. Go to 31 really quickly. Chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. Look at verse 10. It says, And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he should choose, you should read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of the law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over to Jordan, over the Jordan to 
possess. I'm going to end with that. I think it's extremely important. One of the things I said before as I commenced this lesson this morning is that there's nothing more, I, there's nothing I treasure more than my, my intimacy with, with the Lord. There's nothing I treasure more. And, and I, I try to stay in the Word of God. I try to make sure that I'm reading every single day. More than just a little bit. Every single day. Because as we read the Word of God, we retain our sensitivities for His voice, to His voice. And I think that's extremely important for you and I as children of God. So please remember the intent of this message. Uh, it's just simply been an effort to restore our faith in the Word of God. And I think that's important to say. Because I know not that, that, that you and I both know people who are really struggling during this season of our lives. Really struggling. And one of the reasons why we struggle like this is because we're taking in information that's sort of contrary to the Word of God. And as a result, our Bible-based, if we could put it that way, sensitivities are being removed from our consciousness. And I think that's not good. We need to make sure that we stay near the cross. We, make, we need to make sure that, we, that we're listening out for the voice of God at all times. Especially in seasons just like this. We can overcome if we devote ourselves to His Word. My encouragement to you is take advantage of the fact that we have the freedom in society today to look to God um, in whatever way we desire. Amen. God bless you, church. Let's pray together as we move towards closing this particular service. I want to thank you again for joining in, uh, for sure, for family back east, friends back east. Church, thank you so much. Um, please make note of the date. It's, Tim, remind me, June 21st. June 21st. We will be here back again in service. It will be in the breezeway on the other side of where we are, um, just across from the sanctuary. It's going to be a wonderful time. Pastor Roy is actually going to be preaching. And if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be Father's Day. So we will see you very, very, very soon. Let's pray together, church. Let me invite you to bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you so much for helping us to understand. I pray, Father, for a spirit of understanding. It's difficult to take passages like Amos chapter 8 and to relate it. Uh, to our lives here today It's difficult to make that connection But Father I pray that Your people and I That more than ever before We understand the importance of your word in our lives That we understand the importance of, of Looking to your word And applying it to our lives And to make sure that we remain sensitive to your voice To make sure that we remain sensitive To what it is you have to say to us today As children of God And to keep ourselves from this wicked, wicked world to keep ourselves, quote, unspotted from this world. We thank you so much for this lesson. We pray that you help us apply it. We love you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen, Amen church. I will see you very soon. Tune in this Wednesday for our weekly Bible study. And the women are not meeting yet, right? It'll be, okay, they'll be meeting that same week as well. I think it'll be June. Why not? Anyway, we have, we'll send the. Did we send out? It's important to say, right? Did, we will. Okay, so we will send a notice out to you guys. Uh, Women of Grace will be meeting soon, uh, et cetera, et cetera. God bless you, church. Have a good day.